Hey guys, we just wanted to provide a quick content warning for this episode before we get started. Krista's poem discusses the suicide of a family member, so we reference it a few times in the discussion. If this is a tough topic for you, feel free to catch us on the next episode. As always, thanks for listening. Um, hi, Krista. Hi. Wait, that's not how we start. No. Oh, you blew it. <laughs> We're gonna do our little dumb intro. We're gonna do I mean, our thing. cute intro, and then we'll we'll say hi and do. I try to say bio. it different every time. Last time I said it in a low voice with a different inflection. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm an actress. <laughs> I'm Stephanie. And I'm Bryn. And we're two writers who have a lot of questions. So to answer those questions, each episode we're inviting a fellow writer on to share their work. And other stuff. Welcome to Shitty First Drafts. So we are so excited to have Krista on with us today. Um, Krista is a good friend and I was just trying to remember when it was that we met, but it was AWP, the only one I've ever been to. So it was like two years ago three years ago awp dc two years ago that was the only one i've been to too oh wow Mm. i think Um, i met you for the first time at the poetry retreat mm, four years ago the very retreat where i began dating my ex-boyfriend i'm very sorry it's okay probably my fault yeah i blame you (laughs) entirely (laughs) and that was my first encounter with sundress oh yeah were you there for the retreat like you were a a participant i was a participant Cool. That's nice. I like that a lot. It was um, great. I lo- it was a good retreat. Yeah, it was. Well, I wasn't there, but I'm sure it was. <laughs> it was. I believe it. Um, <laughs> Krista Cox is a paralegal and poet based in South Bend, Indiana, but longing for somewhere saltier. She's the managing editor of Double Back Review, a journal for work from defunct journals, and an associate poetry editor at Stirring, a literary collection. She's also the executive director of Lit Literary Collective, a nonprofit serving her local literary community. Her poetry has appeared in Columbia Journal, Crab Fat Magazine, The Humanist, and elsewhere. More on the web at KristaCox.me. Welcome! Thank you. Yay. Super excited to be here. We're so excited to have you. I was going to say you're our first non Knoxville poet, mm. but we also interviewed Rax, but it's all blurred together at this point for me because it's been a very busy weekend. And a Nashville poet Who's who it? used to live here, Andrew. Oh. You guys <laughs> remember like, Andrew? No, I don't know. I have no memory. <laughs> I don't remember anything beyond this week. Um, anyway, <laughs> really excited to have you on and so glad that we could make this work while you're here at Firefly Farms. Yes. On the scene. On the scene. We are once again recording away from our home. Which is always weird. Yeah. But fine. I feel like we're getting... (laughs) I was going to say always weird, but that seems like a weird place to start. Yeah. But so far, so good. So um, you are here doing a residency. Yes. uh, To write. Well, hypothetically. (laughs) To catch up on your sleep. How is the writing going? Yeah. I have written two poems since I got here last Friday. Amazing. Because I'm putting very little pressure on myself. I think that's great. Yeah. I think, but two poems in a week is like more than I would normally write. Yeah. (laughs) I write two poems a year, maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah, my plan is to like fill my brain with experiences mm. for the rest, and then Saturday just like write all day, even yeah. even if it's total junk. Yeah, especially if it's total junk, because I struggle to let things be total junk ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think yeah. That's... What inappropriate segue? <laughs> <laughs> I think for our podcast called Shady for Traps. Our podcast <laughs> called Shady for Traps. That's what, yeah. So we're here to talk to you today. We're here to talk to you today. It's an intervention. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. It's about your it. writing process. Allow me to set down my hard <laughs> seltzer. Um, no, I, well, so I was curious about, um, we once again have um, a poem and it's like earliest draft or nearest to earliest draft and then a poem and it's like final published draft is it published no yet? this no. one hasn't been picked up not yet. picked up yet okay editors but like, it's available <laughs> hey but as finishes a poem can never be right um which is something we can talk about too but um so we're looking at two pieces that are um two versions of the same thing and i was curious so you kind of touched on this already that you are planning saturday to just write it all out is that normally how you write do you no. usually just kind of info dump no that's actually why I picked this draft is because this is maybe the only time I can remember where I totally was just doing a dump mm. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done a dump before I'm, I have a real problem yeah. <laughs> very constipated that's right uh, um, creatively constipated creatively. As no so up until this point, mm-hmm. I'm in, and now I, I say up until this point because I'm in a really different stage right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm kind of like transitioning, which is one of the reasons I'm not stressing about not writing while I'm on retreat. Um, but like, so I've been telling people recently that I have come to understand that my the writing that I've been doing for like the last eight years mm. when I started writing poetry has been uh, acting as an emotional ambulance. Yeah, mm. okay. So I write when I have like, a feeling that has to come out when the sirens are blaring yes but um i won't write if the feeling isn't like fully formed and ready to be a poem right mm-hmm. uh generally speaking mm-hmm. and so you know my my quote unquote process is that i will feel like oh, the poem in my head is ready mm. and i'll sit down and just yeah hit onto the page mm-hmm. um and edit as i go usually while i'm writing it mm-hmm. instead of just letting letting it all come out and you know I when I was in undergrad which is not that long ago I went back in 2011 uh, I was like I was 31 at that point um my that was the biggest problem my professors had with my Mm. work is like it's so controlled like let go let it go like stop trying to control what you're trying to say so much like Mm -hmm. um and so this one is unique in that I was like going through something that I it was so urgent and terrible that I had to write it while it was happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, to before we jump right into the poem, um, tell us a little bit about more about the like you said you've been writing been a poet for eight years. Mm-hmm. And so did you go back to school for poetry? Is that what triggered yeah. that or that so I'm a paralegal mm-hmm. and I went back to school to get an English degree because it seemed like it would be easy for me mm-hmm. and fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was going to go to law school and be oh, a lawyer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the lawyers at my firm have been kind of gently pushing me in that direction. Yeah. Um, and my first semester, I took this poetry class. I, I'm sorry, it was actually a gen ed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just happened to have a poetry component mm-hmm. with David Dudley. Um, and uh, I like wrote my first poem. I mean, I'm probably, I'm sure that I probably wrote when I was like 16. Sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, who didn't? Right. But I have no recollection. Yeah. Um, And it was terrible. The writing that I was doing 
it, you know, in eight years ago was just abysmal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so much of it, I'm sure, is like trying to write a poem. Yes. Like right. a capital P think, poem. Yeah. Well, and I was so melodramatic. And <laughs> yeah. Just cliche. And it was just, it's really very, very embarrassing. Although I'm sure a common kind of. Yeah, experience. I think that's a pretty, very common experience. But for whatever reason, David saw something in it and he, like, you know, supported me very mm-hmm. heavily. And so I took more and more creative writing classes. And then at some point, I decided, before I graduated, I decided, like, I don't really want to go to law school. Yeah. I kind of want to do this poem thing instead. Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, isn't it that like like a romantic story? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're like fuck law school, <laughs> which I that's a sentiment I can get behind. Yeah, <laughs> I mean I can't believe you didn't want to go to law school. It's so fun and breezy. Yeah, yeah and, right. Yeah, seems um, like it would match cheap, perfectly with like my personality. I definitely yeah. wouldn't have like a hundred and twenty thousand dollars of debt when I came out. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. like so much spare time. Right. Yeah, and as we all know, poetry is the opposite because it's very lucrative. <laughs> In it for the money. Yeah. Knew it. That's right. So am I. It's just too many people are these days. You know? <laughs> Not doing it for the love of the game. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> you stopped yourself with your own joke. For the love of the game. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, well, I was also going to make try and make some, like, segue, but I didn't. I couldn't get there. Baseball. <laughs> Sports. <clears throat> so what have I just burped when I started that sentence a little bit my throat made like a little I don't burp loudly That's or like I always wanted to like you know when you're younger yeah, cool girls well yeah when I was younger you know girls on TV are like Mary Kate Olsen would you like a big burp and the dudes would be like whoa that was a big burp and they're like so what and I was like is this the perfect woman <laughs> I think this is equality. <laughs> and I always wanted to do a big burp and be like a cool tomboy, whatever. But yeah. anyway, I don't burp. It just like sounds like a weird frog is like in my throat and then it just goes away. The question I was going to ask was, uh, what have the past eight years, well, eight years, and however much time has elapsed since you decided not to go to law school, what does that look like? What does being a poet look like? Yeah. Um, so at first it just meant writing for school. Um, I was in school for like five years and I didn't really branch out outside of that at all. Um, Once I graduated though, I started looking for community because I mean, writing in a vacuum is not the same thing. Right. Um, And I did want to, I did have an interest in like publishing and Mm -hmm. continuing to get better. And and so then I joined Submit Bitches group Mm -hmm. uh, on Mm -hmm. Facebook and started connecting with people feeling that sense of community, which was super awesome. Um, Yeah, and it really encouraged me to start uh, publishing. Um, And then very quickly, it seemed after that, like the opportunities started knocking at my door. Mm. I mean, I came down to the poetry retreat like four years ago, and then shortly after that, I started editing for Stirring, Mm -hmm. um, which I love. Editing is awesome for writing poetry yeah like it forces you to read not just like a bunch of really awesome stuff that you want to emulate but Mm -hmm. a bunch of stuff that you totally hate right and it both validates you and then like gives you something to push against right yeah every time oh well i was gonna say it also gives you the it like helps you see the things that are like almost there yeah i because i find myself being like oh i want to root for this if only you would change these three things or whatever and then you're Mm -hmm. like 
oh okay like for me then I was I'm able to turn that into like trying to look at look for things like that in my own poems yeah I was gonna say every time I read for um, a journal or a contest or anything like that I'm just like I should be submitting more (laughs) (laughs) and especially I'm right now I'm reading for grist which is the lit journal out of UT and um, now reading for grist I'm like this shit costs 15 dollars yeah like this confidence is incredible in some of these folks who are submitting stuff and I'm like I feel like maybe it's different for fiction where it's not like sometimes I am like oh I would write this differently but I feel like it can be very um sometimes with fiction like hard to pin down Mm -hmm. three things it's like yeah it's like right off the bat but like there's a lot of (laughs) yeah (laughs) you're like I will follow you until page three (laughs) yeah yeah I guess I I mean it's not like a literal three things but more just the the idea of like a poem that's like almost there and and what makes you want to fight for it, but like not, but then change your mind, you know? Yeah. I and, know. and I think editing too has like really helped me trust my own creative intuition. Mm-hmm. Because for a long time it was like, why should I, I mean, what is my what opinion do I know? about this matter at all? Yeah. Like, but, you know, the more I give feedback and the more I hear from other editors and the more they value my feedback, it makes me feel like, oh, like, maybe I can speak intelligently about these things. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I really do totally. have an understanding. For sure. Uh, I don't know how it just you know osmosis I guess yeah <laughs> Mad- the magic of well I mean and just being like an avid reader and being involved in the community too I think like those things don't count for nothing they yeah they really help um cool would you like to read us the first draft yes now how long ago did you write this first draft not that long. This was May of last year. Oh, yeah. So just over a year. I was going to say, is this... Okay, yeah, because this is about... Well, the, the he ostensibly is a version a version of Jason. Yes. Okay, so this is like... That's my husband. Happened. For the viewers at home. Your husband. <laughs> my husband. Now, we just got married Which in October. Which is a spoiler <laughs> alert for this poem. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers! <laughs> Oh yes, it is. <laughs> I was I was not following, but now she's like, "What are you talking about?" Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is called "Grief Is a Whale Is a Man Who Has Sinned." I'm at a writing retreat in Michigan, and you call as I write. If my mind is my body and my feelings are my body, you tell me you have good news and bad news. You're coming to see me. Good. And your father's dead. Bad. You drive 45 minutes in the direction opposite his body to tell me you are afraid I will judge your lack of sobbing. I won't let you leave without food. You tell me you need me to stay. You'd feel better with me here to take care of things that need care. You are driving to the southeasternmost corner of Ohio, and I'm in the northern center of Indiana, and I am helpless. He shot himself, you tell me, as I drive home from the retreat. There's nothing to say. I remember that the last time we spoke, he told me several times that I'd better take care of you. You better take care of him, he said, or I'll come up there and give you an attitude adjustment. I don't say this to you. I can't stop thinking about it. I promise him and you and me that I will take care of you, but I don't know how to do that from the northern center of Indiana. Yesterday, you said you believed anyone should be entitled to decide when and how they die. This is when and alone with a gun is how, and your argument is less convincing now. On a back road in southern Michigan, a vulture's wings spread across an entire lane of traffic guarding a raccoon's remains. 
Another vulture circles. The tail is still so fluffy. Is this really happening? My friend Michelle asks about the vultures. I'm offended life would be so grotesquely obvious. You text me photos of a rainbow after you cross the Indiana-Ohio border, and I still don't know how to feel, but I'm thinking of Noah, and that's a fine joke for a non-believer. I imagine the clouds above it spell out checkmate atheists in a sans-serif arcing font. I ask you, what do I do now? Do I just text you like everything is normal? And you say, yes, like everything is normal, and I'll call you tonight, you say, and we'll have a normal conversation, you say, and your voice is not normal. Do you know how normal it is for a person to die? It is one of very few things that happens to literally everyone, both the dying and the cleaning up the death. I'm home now and I lie in bed where you aren't and when I tire of staring at the ceiling, wondering what will happen now, I return to what I was doing before this news, wondering if I should marry you when you ask me. I think you'll ask in late May, though maybe now that things are what they are, you won't, or maybe you'll ask me sooner. Maybe you won't take that trip away. I make it through the introduction of Committed, an exploration of marriage by Elizabeth Gilbert that was recommended to me by two writer peers at the retreat I was at when you told me your father was dead. Before I remember, I'm terrified of failing to support you properly, especially because I've seen so many articles lately about how many people say exactly what you oughtn't to grieving people. I Google how to support a grieving spouse. You are not my spouse. I read the first five articles and the sixth is an actual complete book. I wonder how it's possible to fill a whole book with this stuff since I already knew the things suggested in the five short articles which all had identical advice. I'm proud that I didn't fuck it up yet even though I hadn't read the articles when we talked before. I Google how to talk about suicide. Committed is off limits. I have this father whose friend died by suicide, not committed suicide, a month ago. I think about messaging her for hours. I type a message to her. I delete it. I don't know what I want for her, but I shouldn't ask for anything from a grieving woman. Part of me just wants her to know that I know, but I don't. This is beyond comprehension, like how in the book about marriage I'm reading between articles about not saying the wrong thing to someone in grief, the protagonist cannot see the blue whale suspended above her at the aquarium, because though she sees its great ribbed stomach, her mind cannot take in the entire whale. It is too much. Your grief is a blue whale hanging in the aquarium above me, and I worry the ropes won't hold. To be fair, I feel selfish for worrying about being crushed by a whale while you breathe the steaming acid of its belly. I call a friend who's only met you once and has never met your father. They say you must only offer support to those most tightly circled by the loss. Grieve only outward toward the fringes, and say out loud the things I'm ashamed I feel, but which I must feel. I tell her I know people whose love has been crushed by grief. I don't know who I know whose love has been crushed by grief, but it's somewhere in my mind and so I fear that. I fear that the whale will suffocate you and you will be inside the whale when the ceiling above us buckles from the weight and I'm crushed by you and the whale both. Grief out, support in. Your mother calls and I don't know which circles she's in. I know things about your father that your mother knows, but you don't know. I think your mother told me because perhaps our, perhaps our closeness, yours and mine, not mine and your mother's, means I can forgive her on your behalf, especially because I know so much about men's bad behavior. A part of me already knew. 
Yesterday, as you were writing about a person's right to death and your father was exercising that right, I was writing a poem about the sins of fathers and how they infect their sons, and he sinned against you so brutally like every man who has hurt me and every man who has hurt my son and every other man who has hurt his own son. Like all men who sin against their sons, the whole swollen group of them suspended above me like a whale. This is the longest poem in the world. <laughs> I don't even know if I've poem. like read it through with my eyes all, all the way all the before, way, yeah. much less my mouth. Yeah, because when it's your draft, you kind of start to skip over. You're right. like, I know what happens there, and you right. move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so for the for the listener at home, this is a f- like fully three-page long poem, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I this, think the first dra- like the first time I wrote it through was actually four. So this isn't even the first first. No, I think this was like very shortly after. Like as soon as I finished the four pages, I went back and did some trimming. Some trims, yeah. Because yeah. you're like, fuck a four page. And I poem. never, yeah. I write very short poems. Mm-hmm. They're like usually half a page at most. Yeah. So this was very much an unleashing of a kind then. Yeah, I mean, I was just narrating what was happening as it was well, yeah. happening. Yeah. But I mean... But it's clear that, like, even the speaker of the poem, like, even in that way, the speaker of the poem is just trying to make sense of what's going on. Yeah. It's like a, a total shakeup of everything. And then, um, yeah, there, I mean, on the page, it is broken into stanzas and into line breaks. But hearing you read it, it took me a second to get connected. So I was, I was just listening to you read it at first. And um, hearing you read it almost just sounds like a prose poem or, you know, like something like if you didn't know the shape it was on the page. Um it feels much more like the stream of consciousness that mm-hmm. you often see in a, in a prose poem. Yeah. Um, so what made you choose this one for the podcast? Um, what makes it shitty? <laughs> <laughs> well, because it is, like I was saying earlier, it really is the first time that I really didn't care so much about what was coming out. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, I really like just wanted to get every single thing down yeah um and didn't think so hard about like where it was going or how the things connected or you know what's going to happen to this after I'm done Mm -hmm. and um and you know I mean I think also it was the first opportunity I ever really had to kill my darlings yeah Mm because there are like a lot of lines in this that I thought were beautiful in one way or another but it didn't make it into the last draft because they just weren't necessary yeah they weren't the poem didn't want them. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those moments where you're like, yeah, I kill my darlings, whatever, pull it stuff. And then when you actually have to do it, you're like, oh, wait, but this is meaningful and I want it and it, and it says beautiful. everything I need. Yeah. yeah. And I understand it and isn't that enough? Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, well, and I think, too, when you're writing, I mean – it would be we can talk about quote the speaker all you want but like no this is i this is all me it's yeah. all my experience <laughs> yeah. you know and so i think it, it makes it even harder when it's not fictionalized Absolutely. at all right yeah. um when it is and, it, and it's, it's really easy to cling to like for me i you know but that's what actually happened mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter it yeah, like, just right. doesn't matter because it's you know the the truth of a poem is like the capital t truth it's not necessarily yeah. the facts that matter right um how did it feel when you first drafted it? Awesome. I mean, everything was terrible. No, right. But, but you felt... I felt it was it was cathartic. Mm-hmm. And it gave me... I mean, I was... My husband did ask me to stay in Indiana while he went and took care of his mm-hmm. father's death. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, 
totally willing to do it because that was what he needed but it was also like I mean I'm a fixer and I was completely helpless Mm -hmm. and I felt it it, writing it gave me some feeling of control over something um at least over like getting the getting it down right like this is what happened well and like I got to be part of a narrative then Mm. and and, you know there was there's I think you know when I mean I did not know my father's or my my husband's father very well and so I wasn't carrying the same kind of grief that he was. Right. And so the fears and the feelings that I had about the situation, they felt, I mean, shameful, right? right. Like, oh, I'm not going through what he's going through. And, um, you know. And your natural instinct is to understand, to think of how it's going to affect you and your relationship with him. Yes. Yeah. It was, but that feels like the exact wrong instinct. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. or impulse. And I couldn't, I didn't want to put that on him. Right. You know, so like all of that. Not to go on right, because as soon as you instead. say, I'm afraid your father's death is going to affect our relationship, <laughs> that's when it affects the relationship. Yeah, yeah exactly. <clears throat> yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I, I, I can't remember the last time I just, like, wrote a poem. Because, we, I mean, we've talked about it in previous episodes as well, but it's the thing where it's, like, I think Alyssa said it really well, where she was, like, you have to let go of this idea of being articulate mm-hmm. to, like, write the good the good shitty first draft Mm -hmm. you know like you have to just stop giving so much of a fuck about what like ends up on the page the first time because like you don't have to be married to what happens on the page at first but I don't love seeing those like shitty lines or shitty you know like cliched language because then it makes me feel like a terrible writer um but like sometimes you have to like clear out the cliches about a situation before you can like then go to what's actually happening right they're they're underneath the cliches yeah Yeah. you have to feel it all and then keep swimming through poking through yeah Yeah. exactly well and i I think when you're trying to have too much control it it locks down the like free association part Mm -hmm. of your brain right where you can like you're not make the leaps that are so vital to poetry. Interesting, yeah. Right. If you're sitting there like, oh, what's the best adjective I could use to describe this? Then you're like already taking too long to get your feelings (laughs) out. (laughs) This is the true like Anne Lamott article thing where it's Mm -hmm. just like just write stuff and get it out and then go back later. Yeah. And then be a writer. And stop editing while you're doing Yeah, go back in. Yeah. Put on. Yeah, it's almost like put on your little kid hat and like just write like about what you're think, th- thinking and feeling and like if that's how like your day went like you said like I was just writing down things like as they happened like maybe that's what you have to do is just to get the facts down first and then go back in later as an editor yeah um I did that thing today that we talked about last episode where I wrote a poem on six post-it notes it took six sure I write kind of big <laughs> well yeah post-it and notes are small I think it was kind of dumb but I wrote it, and I put all the post-it notes in order in my journal, and then <laughs> shut it, and we'll go back later. Go back right? later, maybe. But knowing me, it'll be a while. <laughs> That's okay. These things happen. I'm glad you wrote a poem. That's really nice. Yeah, I don't even know if I called a poem, but I did. So anyway. I'm right. I'm the authority. <laughs> I was gonna say I think you kind of get to decide, <laughs> especially whether whether it becomes a poem. Yeah. yeah. But I was like at work at my desk, and I was like, eh, this is a crummy feeling. Let me just write about it. Yeah. And then try to move on <laughs> my day <laughs> try to continue looking yeah. at the spreadsheet Ugh. keep secretly playing solitaire i love spreadsheets <laughs> if you're ever stuck with a spreadsheet you just send it to me it is my husband and i actually had a spreadsheet date one time oh. early in our in our, court, I love in our courtship that. wait men like that exist <laughs> oh my god he Who knew? he texted me 
like an invitation to the date as a formula like an if then like like an uh, XL yeah for, oh. yeah yeah and then we like sat on my couch and, and 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 he showed me some trick with pivot tables or something I don't remember yeah and then we did that's it that's pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> it works it was a very much an if then situation <laughs> yeah if you teach me tricks about Excel that's I will right. sleep with you <laughs> I don't really know the tricks but usually yeah. I don't need to know the tricks for my job yeah I'm usually just vexed by the um, contents contents yeah uh, the spreadsheet I am, like, such a spreadsheet person that I, like, for myself, before I was, before Stephanie and I lived together, created a spreadsheet for house hunting because I was, like, so just, like, I cannot keep all this information in my brain. Mm -hmm. So, for me, they make so much sense because it's, like, a way to, like, put, okay, this is the name of the thing. Here's the link to the listing. Here are all the deets of it so I can keep it straight, like, that this one has a $200 pet fee and this one has a $250 pet fee and I want to be able to weigh all those options. But yeah, I don't do the tricks of like, you know, like filtering it out and or like um, I usually just like enter info in rather than like giving it a um, like changing the info type so that you can filter mm-hmm. better and mm-hmm. stuff. I just kind of am like put it out on a table and I, I need that. But then I shared oh. it with Stephanie and I don't think that's weird. I think that's a very <laughs> normal reason to make a spreadsheet. Well, yeah. I made a spreadsheet for applying to grad school. I made a spreadsheet for grad school. It's basically the exact same yeah. spreadsheet. It's like, this is what it's called. Here's the link. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's how much money it will cost me. Right, yes. <laughs> All right, guys, not to brag, but I work on spreadsheets that are so big that they take like several minutes to open. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah, I bet as a, as a paralegal. paralegal yeah. yeah. It is my favorite part of the job by a long shot. That's, that's great. That's so great. I if I'm so happy for you that you feel that way because I don't feel that way at all. But it's good to know. You know, it feels like there's balance in yeah. the universe. I used yeah. to when I was doing um I was I was doing like accounting um I was like a clerk um at a green energy company in the accounting department. So I was basically just like a little like filing gremlin and like would do data entry stuff and then the um i just heard filing gremlin <laughs> to go out listening in. well it was just like a part-time thing and my mom had gotten me the job because she was working in the, the accounting department at the time oh my and god nepotism she just admitted it literally nepotism 100 percent, ten thousand percent and i will i will mom if you can find me a job now i'll take it um <laughs> please mom um but i you know i wasn't i'm not at all really interested in that kind of work but I was like I'm, I can figure this out and the um the accounting department head um I don't know what his official title was but he would give me these tasks with those spreadsheets that would just take because he had he had he had done all of the equations and things and so he he had filtered them out for all, all I needed to pay attention to but they would still take minutes to load and I would just scroll through them and just be like because it was so beautiful and just like like uh, just very very impressive information and I'm sure he just like exported it from whatever like information system they were using but I was still just like look at all the numbers yeah I'm still trying to work out in my brain how I can combine Excel and poetry Ten thousand percent, I bet you can. I so I started drafting a poem. Um, you know the PHQ nine questionnaire when you go to the doctor's office and they're like, "How many days a week have you felt like you couldn't get out of bed?" Oh, and how many days a week you know to test for anxiety and depression? Well, the last time I went, like I finally got on health insurance after like nine months of not having it, and so I went to a bunch of doctors after I got insurance and I had to do that questionnaire like three times in a month or something and I was like one day kind of tweeted like like sarcastically like 
nothing like an anxiety and depression questionnaire first thing in the morning to make you feel anxious and depressed. Mm-hmm. Like, just like the shitty feeling and like how intrusive it is and how it's like, I don't even remember in the last month. Like, because I don't, like when you're feeling depressed, you don't keep track of like right. wh- how long you've been feeling depressed. Forever. Right. My like, entire life I've been. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to exact, I don't, you know, I don't want to se- seem like I'm exaggerating or seem like I'm being flippant, but I also don't want to like lower the numbers just because I'm like worried about how it'll seem because like if I need help, I need help. And anyway, so I wrote, I'm writing a poem. Like I, I copied and pasted the, it, it's like a little table. Mm where they have those questions. I, like, found one online and, like, copied it over into a... Not, I just used the table function on Word, but, um, yeah. So I think there is a total... There's totally a way you can do it. When I figure it out, you'll, like, never see me again. <laughs> In my room writing Excel poems <laughs> Excel forever. Poems for, yeah. I think... I, oh, man, I think it'd be so cool. I think you should do it 10,000 times. Um, but anyway, let's talk about the poem at hand. Okay. <laughs> um, so you wrote this kind of in a rush of of emotion and were you just I mean like you said you're just trying to kind of get something out and trying to like figure out how you fit into this situation with a person Mm -hmm. that you love who has a complicated relationship with a person who's now no longer right here um so really I mean the question I was going to ask was like did you have a goal when you set out to write this but no 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 not at all you were just trying to I was just like I have to do something yeah (laughs) So and poetry was the solution. Right. Do you often turn to poetry in that way? Yeah. It's almost always like some emotional impulse. Sure. This is changing, which is why I'm in a transitional period. I just don't feel the same need to like triage my feelings mm-hmm. anymore, mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know, thank, thank goodness for that. <laughs> but it's also like a stark difference from the way that things used to be. Yeah. And so I'm now trying to like... Okay, if like freaking out about a feeling is no longer the you know impetus to a poem, like what's the new one? What is? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so now I'm starting to like consider the wisdom of like just write every day, which is like do a dump every day. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's complicated wisdom too, though. You know, but I think finding what works for you is the yeah. important part of that. Well, yeah, yeah, and it's not like write a beautiful poem every day. It's right. like just right. like write on six post-it notes at your desk right. and I count that as writing today and it, oh, you know, it took 10 minutes yeah. but, but it's hard to fit that in or it's hard to feel like worthy of that goal like right. who am I to write every day or <laughs> yeah. something like that um, yeah I don't know but I'm interested in your editing process for this poem specifically because yeah. you said it was yeah. different than what you were doing before so interestingly when I finished it I was like okay so my experience had always been like I would not write a poem until it was almost complete anyway mm-hmm. and so then they were basically done once right. they were on the mm-hmm. page so you weren't drafting a ton like you would put it on the page and then sort of tweak it maybe right right yeah there was not so it was more like edit drafts. editing rather than full blown revision yes yeah almost always I mean a few words here and there or mm-hmm. whatever molding. that's how I am <laughs> it feels not great <laughs> <laughs> That's what that laugh means. I can see myself. <laughs> so because I was used to like, okay, the poem's on the page. It's done. Like when I finished this, I was like, it is done. It is a poem. <laughs> it must be good because I wrote it. Because it's several pages long. It says long. everything it's I very need. Long. It says all the things I need. It has accomplished all my goals and therefore it is finished. Yeah. And I like sent it to a friend, which is actually the only reason I have a copy. Oh, because really? Because I don't keep copies don't of keep, my drafts. Mm-hmm, I, have mm-hmm, one, mm-hmm. I have one Word document that is all my in-process work. And one that's all my ready to 
send out work and mm-hmm. then one that's like everything that's been published you don't have individual yeah. documents for each poem it would drive me crazy I think. <gasps> really yeah I just the amount of because I have so many like pieces of poems yeah I think it would be incredibly overwhelming and I you know I mean I've yeah. been thinking about this that like I mean maybe there is a problem with that but mm. like like not being able to go back and see the evolution of a poem or like what if mm. I've written over something and then want to go back like well, yeah. too bad. Yeah. That's a big debate. In this yeah, podcast. big advice that I got. Well, and I and I say this as a person who has since changed. But the advice I got in when I first started my MFA because I was worried, I was having anxieties about the same thing. Because in undergrad, I I was kind of the same way where the poem would come out more or less fully formed, and then I would just like be like, it's perfect, I'm done, you know. And which is not to say that it like, like I still think I was draft very much drafting, but just like misreading. A, 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 a complete draft is being a finished draft, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, if that distinction makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. it came to an ending, therefore I am done, you know? Um, but anyway, so I was kind of expressing similar anxieties to a friend, um, Ben McClendon, actually, who was in the PhD program. Um, it had been for, I think, three years when I first started the MFA. And anyway, he said, oh, we'll just save as, as like, you have your first draft and you save as, same poem title, v2 so it's like version two and so there are some poems from especially from grad school where i have like 17 18 19 versions because i would just save because i was so like especially poems where i was like i'm gonna fuck around with like where the stances are like i don't know and and then i'd be so i'd be like but what if i can't remember what it's like so i change it back but now i work almost exclusively in google docs because i want to be able to access them wherever i am <clears throat> at work and <laughs> um and so it's much easier to do that on google docs rather than to be sending myself versions of a poem does back google and docs forth. track revisions only if you ask it to otherwise it's just it just saves over it and it automatically saves yeah. yeah when i started that was how i did it i saved a different version like and then i started to get really annoyed because like titles would change and yeah. then like to have to come back and change all the titles yeah. or even like in duotrope now like yeah. i have poems named in there that i'm like it's not called that anymore mm-hmm. um yeah so i started doing things that way but like what i what i found is that when i get into editing mode mm. and so i am going like i'm flipping through the document and like seeing poems like almost for you know i see them with a different light mm-hmm. and and plus i'm like reading them in proximity and i feel like if i had to go into different documents i, I might not have that same connection experience yeah, that makes yeah. Sense. i have one big document of everything that i work on but it's also where i like type in my phone notes and then start messing with them or if i go on a retreat or something and i'm just writing in a notebook i'll type all that up in the same document um, but now so you just have this massive like well the first page. one got really long so I started a new one okay. um, but then whenever I want to bring something to workshop you know I cut it out of the document mm-hmm. and put it in its own document mm-hmm. and then I kind of work from there but I think if I ever want to do like major changes I cannot handle the, all the different versions because it drives me crazy um, so I'll just like copy and paste and start a new page like mm-hmm. and leave the original one up, at, up top and then I guess if I want to bring it to workshop I'll just print, print the one page yeah. yeah I don't know yeah. there are many ways to do it but I just, I, just I don't even call mine like real, I don't even call mine like this is my poet document because so many things in there aren't even yeah, poems or anything. Of yeah. I call it scribbles. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> that's cute. But now I'm on to new scribbles. <laughs> oh, chic. Yeah. It's a new phase in her life. It's like mm-hmm. a, when a woman gets a haircut. Yep. It's new, my new document. It's like, new scribbles. Uh, I can't think of the painter, but it's uh, like my blue period. Yeah. You know? 
uh, was did new scribbles happen pre or post breakup? Uh, I don't think it had anything to do with that. Okay. If that's, that's what you're fine. asking. Yeah. For but everyone no, else, just, uh, Bryn think... had a totally, like, skeptical look on her face. Like, okay. Uh, okay. I think I started new scribbles, like, after grad school. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, well, I just was curious. I thought maybe. No. Like, co-lined in a yeah. beautiful, I have, like, zero way. poems about my ex while we were together. None. No. That's not what I was. Oh. This fine. I mean, I have a lot after. <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant, like, like I, I wondered if the timeline of breakup was around the same time that you started the new scribbles yeah and whether no. you had made that connection or not but you hadn't and i understand yeah. now okay <laughs> great <laughs> um so then the only obviously other... i'm sensitive oh about it oh my gosh i'm so sorry <laughs> i'm so sorry um oh the only other question i want to ask you before we read the um finished version is what do you notice now reading this draft or what do you what what sticks out to you good or bad um i mean it, there's just so much in there mm-hmm. and so like just so much that's completely superfluous mm-hmm. and actually i the the editing process was like i you know i went back in a couple of times and just trimmed out a few you know things that were fat but then i i was getting ready to go to an open mic and i printed it out and um, like while I was listening to other people, I was like, oh, this is not ready. Mm. And what I did mm-hmm. was I rewrote the whole thing from memory, mm. like hand wrote it. And it was so much tighter because mm-hmm. I just wrote down the things I remembered, which right. to me were like the things that must be important to the poem. Right. right. And we the talked about that. that stick out. We talked about that recently, I think, with, um, well, recently is relative, but with we Lance. About Lance. Yeah. Um, who but you know starting over he's writing fiction so I guess it's a little bit of a different process but I always feel like that's a good practice to do because it is the things you remember stick and maybe the things you don't remember you find different ways to describe them that are actually you know more um succinct or Mm -hmm. um just a better image in general but that's really interesting did, did you do it, like, on the table at the open mic? You're yeah. Like, scribbling <laughs> on the back of your... Yeah, and I went up to the mic with, like, like there were arrows to paragraphs. Oh, my gosh. That would stress and... me out. Eh. Was... <laughs> stress editing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I and I mostly liked the, the edited version. So I, you know, took it back home and retyped it. Actually, I took it back home, put it... It was in a book, and I lost it for a while. And then I was like... <laughs> getting ready to I was like I want to send out that poem like yeah. where, is, where it? is it and I had to flip through all my books and find it so um, funny. I love that yeah tucking so. things away so no the only thing is it's just there's just so much dead weight in it it's almost yeah. like a whale of a poem that needed to be yeah a whale, whale of a poem yeah that's yeah actually the, all the weight that's hanging above you is the right. poem yeah um yeah so why don't we go ahead and read the new or the finished sure. the edited version sure and we'll talk more about it as a reminder, the previous title was Grief is a Whale is a Man Who Has Sinned. This one is titled Grief is a Whale is a Committed Man. I'm writing about fathers and sons and the sins they share when you call to tell me your father's dead. I wonder what will happen now, and when I'm tired of that, I go back to wondering if I should marry you when you ask me. I think you'll ask late in May, though maybe now you won't, or maybe you'll ask me sooner. I'm halfway through the third chapter of Committed, a book I hope will explain to me why I want to marry you even though you're a man, when I remember how many articles I've seen lately about people saying exactly what you shouldn't say to grieving people. 
I Google how to support a grieving spouse even though you're not my spouse. I Google how to talk about suicide. Committed is off limits. I have this friend whose father died by suicide, not committed suicide, a month ago. I type a message to her. I delete it. I want to tell her that I understand, but I don't. This is beyond comprehension, like how in Committed the protagonist can't understand the blue whale suspended above her at the aquarium, because even though she sees its great ribs stomach, her mind can't take in the entire whale. It is too much. Your mother calls from your stepfather's phone, and I don't know where she is in relation to the whale. She tells me things about your father that you don't know. Maybe so I can forgive her silence, or maybe because I already know the atrocities men have committed and will commit. How when they commit, it's a kind of swallowing. How they open their gaping mouths and never think about what follows the water in. Me, their guns, their grieving sons. How I fear the whole swollen group of them, suspended above me like a whale. Thank you, thank you. So that's a significantly shorter it, poem, it, as it we've is. hinted at. <laughs> um, so you cut, I mean, to a page and a half-ish? Yeah. I like it. It almost feels like an erasure poem or oh, something. Oh, I erased you know? myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, no, it kind of was. I mean, I did. I erased everything that didn't feel like it was central to the point. Like, the, the, yeah, that what the you're... poem was trying to make, and I, honestly, like I don't think I realized the point that the, there was so much anxiety mm-hmm. about getting married mm-hmm. in the first mm-hmm. poem mm-hmm. that didn't really come through because there was so much other shit in there. Yeah, um, and you know, when I was editing the poem too, I was like, really, it was, it was after we'd had the conversation about whether or not we were going to get married. Yeah, you're and, like, so I'm engaged and editing yeah, yeah, yeah. this poem. Yeah, <laughs> well, and my husband was like, yes, right away. Like, I yeah. want to get married, yeah. and I was like this will be my third marriage. Yeah. I need to really think about if I want to do this or not. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was like really processing like, you know, men and trauma. Yeah. And and also, you know, my son's been through a lot. Yeah. Um, And, you know, do I want to like marry another person and put him in my son's life again? Um, So there was like, those were the things that I needed to make it into this poem. Mm-hmm. It was like the anxiety about getting married and like what it means to men to commit mm-hmm. and you know how that I mean it's feels a little icky to do the wordplay about yeah <laughs> but about suicide but um it was the timing was just it was crazy timing so yeah I so how I mean it's still so many things to be balancing in a poem um but it does to me seem even like even the image of the whale which see and and the book where the whale comes from Mm -hmm. or that image comes from like seems so central so it's interesting because it is really like all the same things are still happening but it's just like all all the extra except for maybe the vulture in the first poem that just is completely gone yeah um but it's like you distilled things down is this how similar is this to the poem that you like scribbled at the open mic um pretty close I think I just tightened that one some more and yeah. I like couldn't get the ending quite right yeah um well I was interested in the way that the first stanza um I mean I should check my notes on this but it seems as though it is the first stanza of this new it was at the end at of the, the end first. yeah at mm. the end of the first so it's like almost inverted yes. yeah yeah we, we we begin where the first poem ended and then work our way 
back to that same concept of like intergenerational trauma and intergenerational um, masculinity, like mm-hmm. what's what's mm-hmm. learned among men. Um, I feel like I'm asking a lot of leading questions tonight. <laughs> Lead I'm gonna me. I'm gonna try and not. <laughs> That's do that. good because I don't have any answers. <laughs> so you tell me what I should say. Okay, great, perfect. <laughs> I, so I think what it was was a method to clean up because the the old one starts with like. I don't know, me being at this retreat yeah. and, you know, what I was actually writing at the time. Right. And, like, And it doesn't matter, yeah. Um, but, I mean, I actually did write a poem about, like, the sins of the fathers and how they impact the sons at that retreat anyway. So, yeah. like, it's not even a lie in the yeah. second version. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, that was kind of, like, it's, it's so much the point, right? Right, right. But it's, like... It's where you got to in the end, of the first stream of consciousness. Right, but I wanted it to, like, be able to filter through the rest of the poem. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. be in the back of the mind yeah. while they're going through the rest of this. Yeah, I that think... That makes so much sense to I me. I was reading them. I printed them and stapled them together so I could eat more easily, stealthily read them at work. <laughs> and um, it's all about just, do, what can we do at <laughs> what work? What can we do at work? <laughs> um, and so I was, you know, flipping through the pages. So I, once I flipped to this one, you know, I read it immediately after reading the first. Mm-hmm. And I was like really happy that you were starting there because mm-hmm. once I got to the end I was like oh that's interesting yeah. and I was like yeah we're putting that at the top yeah and I was and, right it is interesting <laughs> <laughs> and I think I got so much the advice in grad school too people would be like I think you should start like like cut they want they always wanted me to cut the first several stanzas of my poems and they'd be like start at the end and go from there and I was like, like there's nothing more infuriating what do you mean <laughs> like I ended there like that's the end um so I like the way that you kind of have done that but while still like you still get the rest of the poem in there it's like I wish I had thought to do that in grad school like or when the advice was like start at the end I put just put the last stanza first and like fuck you (laughs) but you're right it does like this isn't a good poem now look what you've done (laughs) look what you've done there is no end um but but you're right in the way that it it colors the rest how you read the rest of it and um how how some of those I don't know you're just I, I I find myself thinking about sons and fathers the whole time through so that Mm -hmm. even like the whale itself like you're kind of thinking about like whale families you know and how do they yeah pods and how do they well that's where I went but I also read this several times over the course of the day so um I was making a lot of connections well and I think it's better to like, if you're going to have a kind of a general concept, mm-hmm. start with it. And then it's always better to end on something more concrete, right? And yes. so I end on the, the way I feel about men. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah. And men as a whale, like, specifically. Yeah. And so I'm, like, making the poem. Like, it's an inverted triangle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Essay. It's a secret. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So I, I want to take the lens out a little bit. And you've talked about the ways that this is... Um, different like the writing process of this was different from your other work um and that even even the fact that you edited it was a little bit different from your Mm work um or I mean extensively what in what ways is it similar are there any similar ways or do you feel like this do you feel as though this was a the the turning point that you've been talking or the start of the turning point that you've been talking about in your writing where we're sure this was in emotional response right but but then it by doing that sort of work of inver- inverting, does that seem to be the turning point f- right. for you? 
Well, thematically, it's very similar to, because I write about how ter- terrible men are. Yeah, like, amazing. Basically, over and over and over <laughs> and over again. Um, Have you heard of our proposed anthology, Men Ruin Things? Oh, <laughs> I, would, I have some work for you. <laughs> yeah, I think it was, it's officially Sam's idea, but sure. we were talking Steeler about Thunder. it. Yeah, it was pretty funny. I would be most excited to read the hate mail. That would be my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag not all things. <laughs> not all things. The volume two okay. of that anthology will be like the hate mail. <laughs> yeah. And then ruined our inbox. Yeah. The, yeah. the erasures of all the hate mail. Anyway. Um, no, it, I would love to say that like, yes, this unlocked we, me and I started writing very differently, but it did not. I mean, that was a year ago. Yeah. And it's only like very recently that I have switched in my writing Mm. and like what it took for the switch was um I've been through a lot of trauma Mm -hmm. and I've spent a large part of the last like eight to ten years like going to therapy and doing a lot of emotional work Mm -hmm. reading a lot of self-help books Mm -hmm. and like just trying to like heal Mm -hmm. um and one of the and I think that like I I think I mentioned like triaging my emotions like Mm. that's kind of in, it was my experience of healing was yeah. that like so many like trauma infiltrates everything right and so when a feeling would come out I would like kind of have to do this hyper analyzing process where it was like oh, is this a trauma feeling mm-hmm. or is this a different feeling like what like how to categorize mm-hmm. it so you knew so I knew how to deal with it right right like um <laughs> and also because I, I think trauma made me feel so out of control Yeah. that like the only thing I really wanted to learn to control my emotions, mm-hmm. if nothing else, which mm-hmm. is like a total fool's errand. Right. <laughs> um, but, but I do think it sounds also like you're saying, understand your emotions. Cause yes. I think like trauma, like trauma can also, or at least in my own experience has also had me questioning, like, is this a, I mean, I don't want to say normal, but, like, is this response stronger or more... Is it proportional to what's happening? Right. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's the language. Or is it? Is it because I'm being... There's something happening here that's reminding me of some other right. situation wherein now it's being colored by this hole and being, being blown into a much bigger thing right. emotionally. So, like, how do I understand what place this is coming from and like how do I now what do I now do with that yes. information well and carrying those large those feelings that are inflated because mm-hmm. of past trauma right. is like so much work and it's exhausting and mm-hmm. it's a whole full time job yeah um, and so you know I did that for many many years and poetry mm-hmm. was a really valuable part of helping me do that triage um, that's lovely somehow in the last six months um, no it was less than that it was like in May this year so almost exactly a year after this poem was born, <laughs> amazing. Um, I just had a moment where I was like in the middle of like heavily processing stuff, and I just got tired of it. Mm. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I don't want to treat every feeling like an emergency. Mm. And something shifted. Like I guess I was just I did all of that that I had to do, and um, so. Now I have emotions and it's just fine. It's like, oh, this is, I mean, it's, my therapist always compares it to having to urinate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I have a feeling. It is a bodily function. Like, yeah. I, I will tend to it and then it will be gone. Yeah. Um, and that just kind of naturally started happening. And so. That sounds really nice. <laughs> oh, it's so zen, dude. Like, mm-hmm. I don't mean to brag. 
But like, I am the chillest <laughs> motherfucker now. My husband like totally noticed. He's like, yeah. what Whoa. happened? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, will you still love me if I'm not like, ah! yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and it is interesting because it did change the way that we right, connect. Right. Because mm-hmm. so much of our connection was before was like, I'm freaking out. Please hold me. Right. Yeah. And Help I'm me manage. Like, yeah. Fine. So there's like less of a, like, I don't know, whatever. Um, yeah. So that's the thing. And I haven't figured out yet, like, how to write or why yeah. to write or like, I mean, I, the fact that I care so much about figuring out like what the next writing step is tells me like oh I'm a writer this right. is important yeah. right mm-hmm. and but I'm also zen enough to just kind of be like well it'll rise yeah so I'll just go on residency and like read some books and like, yeah listen to the rain which and not just wait for and, alarm so, bells or anything yeah yeah that feels that seems so good though too because I think so many people come to residency like. I have to accomplish this task and it's a failure or a waste of my time if I don't when it's like you know what maybe it could just be a nice vacation or you're like reading some poetry books or you're like intentional in other ways yeah so Mm -hmm. I think that's really great I mean I I think it's a pretty common experience for people to write through emotion or like I the way I describe it is like I write to figure something out and Mm -hmm. usually it's an emotion emotional response to something or some situation or some idea um and so I mean like and not all of those are necessarily from like emergent situations but lots of times they are or they're like from these pretty deep-seated traumatic things that I haven't unearthed Mm -hmm. and like it's only in writing that I can understand them or like even begin to try to understand that it exists at all let alone like work through it um so, yeah, tell me how it goes, <laughs> what you discover. <laughs> because, I mean, like, of course you can still be a writer. Like, right. I, the idea of being a creative, like, that to be a creative you must be in pain yeah. is, like, so harmful. Yes. Right? Um, and so, not true. Like, you don't have to be in anguish, no. like, physically or emotionally or mentally to, like, be a good creative. Um, but I think what that's what's modeled so much, you know? And we love this, ro- quote, unquote, heavy, air quote, romantic notion of yeah. like what it means to be a poet or a painter or whatever like you have to be um you know van van gogh who chops off his ear you know like right. it, but like he was going to therapy like he was searching out, i don't know anyway i have a lot of feelings about it that clearly have, i haven't managed yet <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah i don't know i think that, that i i'm excited to see your journey well the interesting thing is the two poems that i've written in the last week they're about the same things yeah um but approaching it yeah I mean I think writer I think it's very common for writers to like obsess about a problem like they're trying to solve a problem with their work right you know over and over and over and the problem that I was trying to solve was my feelings Mm -hmm. right and like (laughs) most of which were men are trash (laughs) (laughs) but I like one especially (laughs) yeah yeah, he's he doesn't really count. He he can't count as a man because I like him. So <laughs> you know, we decided he's just not. We don't have time to unpack that today. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, but they're still about the same themes. They're yeah. I mean, you know, abandonment and estrangement mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the idea of home. But there's a distance from them now that I haven't decided like whether it's a good or bad. Right. I don't know though. I think it probably like. I think that could probably be a really lovely thing. I think of, um, like, Mary Oliver's work as being mm-hmm. distant, and I love her work, yeah. you know? But she 
traipsed through the woods every day of her, you know, many days of her life and just got to like what I live at, what I, I mean, I don't know what her inner world looked like, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I think of her as having some emotional distance and she always came to these beautiful conclusions and like, I mean, she was celebrated and well loved for it. So, yeah. um, I do think that it is like, I think that there's definitely space for that. And yeah. I think you can totally write about things from distance. It does seem like there's more room for wisdom once you kind of clear out the urgency of it. Yeah. So hopefully, I mean, I'm like 40 this year, so I'm like due you better to be, be like a wise yeah. old hag. <laughs> Congratulations. Congrats. <laughs> wow. If you were an actress in Hollywood, they'd be casting you as a witch now. I so. know. Or like someone's grandmother. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Probably like Natalie Portman's grandmother. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't Natalie Portman also like Probably, 40? but she looks like 18. I yeah. don't know. Well, um, <laughs> that's what fancy makeup will do to you. I suppose. Um, <laughs> um, okay. Great. Well, this was lovely. This was so lovely. We are now at the point where do you have things that you are working on that you would like to plug or your lit literary collective? You could just talk about that. Anything that you would like to share with the world, including where they can and cannot find you online if you would like to keep your distance. No, no. So I'm at KristaCox.me which is the most egotistical website I could find. I love it. So it's mm-hmm. perfect. Um, the project I'm most excited about right now is Doubleback Review. Oh, yes. Which is Under the Sundress Umbrella. We're a new journal that is accepting work only that has been previously published in a journal that subsequently went defunct. I love it. Mm-hmm. Happens. It sadly does happen a lot. In fact, so the submissions... Super recently, yeah. We ask that you, on each poem, say where it had been published. Mm-hmm. And I'm shocked at some of the places that I see. Like, oh, they're not around anymore? Yeah. Huh. Mm. Very sad. I should um, send in work because I have two poems that I loved that were in public pool. Well, public and that's pool the thing. Yeah, that's that one's we're getting a lot of work from yeah. public pool. Um, yeah, and it's very sad when yeah. artists work that it just goes away. Yeah, and sometimes right. it's like it's it's like good riddance because the journal you know was run by not good people. Right, right. But 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 the work. A lot of times, it's, yeah, it's because of like money. Or yeah, there. Yes, or, right. Like, exactly. It's like a one a one woman often um, production or yeah, it's a money thing, um, and that's just really sad. But when like really good stuff doesn't have, isn't accessible online anyway. Mm-hmm. And so we like to give it new life. I love it. Yeah. I get to use zombie metaphors all the time. I love it. Wonderful. <laughs> um, so that's at doublebackreview.com. Awesome, and we'll include. Um, link in the show notes for that as well awesome yeah well friends thanks for time thanks for coming along time for bed (laughs) yeah just kidding um you (laughs) can if you'd like to follow us we are on twitter and instagram at sfd podcast um sfd like shitty first draft um because (laughs) most places didn't want us to use cuss words in our handles anyway also cusses um, you can also email us at sfdpodcast at gmail.com if you want to get in contact with us um, in a more intimate way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. In private. In private. In the privacy <laughs> of the, the Gmail. You know, it has more of a an air of sophistication um, Truly. than a, a DM, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um... Thank you ha- for being here. Thank Sorry. you for having me. <laughs> anyway, happy 10th episode. 10th episode.
this Yay. is our tenth episode. Do I get so a t-shirt? Yeah, we used all of our money. We made one t-shirt. One t-shirt. Yeah, no, we should we should make like stickers or something. That'd be cute. No, it'd be cute. Anyway. Um, thank you so much for being here, Krista. Thank we you, Krista. appreciate you spending your precious residency time with us. Um, and it was so good to hang out with you. It was awesome. Okay. I love it. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Um, but anyway, he, <laughs> he showed me Skyrim and he was like, yeah, go ahead and play it. And like, was kind of like walking me through it. But there's this one point where you like go out into the wilderness and like a wolf comes for you. Mm. And that's like how it teaches you the mechanics to fight. And I got killed by the wolf because I couldn't figure I was like, how do I turn around? And he was like, you just, and he, I could tell he was getting so frustrated, but I was uh, like, I'm that, that dope. My like, son always tries to get me into like the first person shoot. Like I yeah. cannot do first person. Yeah, play, it's hard when you're that Destiny close. for a while. Well, and there's so many little buttons on the yeah. remote, on the controls. Like, I know where all the keys on a keyboard are. Yeah. But this is like, twirl this toggle and pull this trigger. Right, you have to say, like, combos. Yeah. It's too lot. much for my no time. When I was younger, I could never beat um, Donkey Kong because I was too afraid to go to the alligator island it was very scary it started it was always raining there it was very scary even yeah, i would just hang that, out in my yeah. tree house and like look at all my stuff and go swimming yeah i really would just walk around yeah